Thank you so much for checking out the audio version of my channel, Ruslan KD, can you stream out loud on all platforms? If you, yes, you find this valuable, the best way you can reach me, the best way you can give me feedback, the best way you can even hop into a group Zoom call with me is through our King's Dream Patreon community. So consider partnering with us there. The link is in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for all the love and support. Now enjoy. Bruce Lawn. I'm with my brother Adam Sauce. We're going to be talking about the Dave Ramsey Baby Steps updates. Is it easier to build wealth today versus when he first started? Life, his story, the whole bit. We're going to have a fun conversation. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, Value Team and Economics. Adam Sauce, what's up? Thank, Thank you, you so Ruslan. I appreciate you for having me, man. Dude, Thank you. I am so excited. I've been watching your channel Thank for you. a while. Uh, and before we get into wealth and, and the meaning of wealth, my, my deeper meaning for wealth, mm-hmm. I want to hear your deeper meaning for wealth. We're going to talk about how to build wealth today. Is it easier? Uh, we're going to talk about some practical things people could take, walk away with. They're just getting started in life. All these different things. Uh, for the people who don't know who Sauce is, mm-hmm. Mr. Miami himself. Yeah. Valuetainment on the podcast, immense value. Let people know who you are, brief story. You've been a stand-up comedian the whole bit. Like you got a crazy story. So yeah, let's start with we, that. weird that I ended up here on Valuetainment. <laughs> Born and raised in Miami. Okay. Uh, my father's from Detroit. He, I grew up um, on the wrong side of the tracks in Miami, but I, I was a pretty good athlete. That I received a uh, high school scholarship, okay. and I went to the most um, one of the more elite high schools in Miami for okay. to play sports and what, what sports were you playing? I, you played I played ball. basketball and I played football. Okay. Um, and, and I played college football. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I played a little ball in college and, and I'll, but, uh, I love basketball, man. That's, yeah. that's my sport. We got to hoop one day. I would love to. You, you, I would you, love you, to. You, you talk, you talk like you're really I talk nice. like I can play, like <laughs> can play a little bit and then, and then you get me out there and I, I kind of got the Billy hole thing going right. on. Um, <laughs> Shout out to white men can't jump. But basically, I grew up in Miami, melting pot, Mm -hmm. uh, friends of all walks of life, all circles of life, and um, saw what it was like to just be very, you know, middle of the road income, had friends definitely from playing ball that I was like the the one white dude that used to play in the hood kind of a thing. And then I would go to the, you know, my rich friends' houses in Miami, (laughs) and it was like a totally (laughs) different world. And I just think genuinely I had a very good grasp on... I'm just like getting along with people yeah. and life. Yeah. Uh, if you asked me when I was young if I'd be doing anything regarding wealth and financial freedom and yeah. economics, I'd be like, no, not even. That's so not what yeah. Adam's into. Yeah. Um, but long story short, I um, I went to college, went yeah. to Florida State, yeah. uh, played some ball. It was a, like a party guy, did a okay. little thing, and then. Um, I was a jack of all trades. Getting to the point here, I was a jack of all trades in my early 20s. Okay. I did hospitality in South Beach, nightlife, clubs. I did stand-up comedy for a few years. Wow. I was a substitute teacher. I did some real estate. I, my yeah. buddy... Uh, you're, like, you're like the world's most interesting Yeah, I was man. like the Forrest Gump of Miami in my <laughs> 20s. Amazing. Uh, but I, the point is I was making no money okay. whatsoever. I got paid in laughs at the comedy club i got paid in drink tickets at the club but it was just i wasn't making money and yeah. i and finally when i was 27 years old i said enough's enough yeah i got sick and tired of being sick and tired yeah. i think that's a dave ramsey that's line dave right ramsey there line. Yep. and i got a job as a cold caller for a startup financial firm okay and i used all my 
salesmanship and networking yeah. and not being scared to just get up and do my thing that I learned from stand-up comedy and nightlife and putting yourself out there. Yeah. And I just networked like crazy, uh-huh. cold cold like crazy, yeah. and uh, had a major breakthrough in the financial world. I went from making $5,000 my first year, in a year, mm. $5,000 crashing on friends' couches, just grinding to my second year in the business. They said, stick it out, stick yeah. it out. Yeah. You'll make money, made a hundred grand, and then the rest is history, and mm. I started making Six figures, you know, 200 grand, 300 grand, half a million a year. And I was like, oh my God, I was just sleeping mm. on a couch mm. a handful of years ago. And uh, to wrap this all up, I felt very blessed that I went from being this like, you know, jack of all trades, man about town who was crashing yeah. on friends' couches to literally having NBA players crash on my couch, <laughs> crashing in my extra room, yeah. friends of mine. Yeah. And I just felt blessed and I said, look, uh, by day I'm speaking with financial advisors yeah. who are telling me one thing and giving me advice to, of what, would, what should millennials do with their money when I would ask them yeah. and they would tell me one thing and then I would go to, you know, in Miami there's events like Rolling Loud, the mm-hmm. hip hop festival yeah, 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 or yeah. ultra yeah. music festival and yeah. I would ask young people, you tell me what your thoughts on money. Yeah. And it was the exact opposite of what they were telling yeah. me yeah. in the financial world. I said, all right, I got to do something about yeah. this. Yeah. And that's it. I'm just trying to give back, entertain, be yeah. a part of valuetainment, yeah. bring value and yeah, uh, entertain same. people while we're at it. I love that, man. Uh, it sounds like in your story, you have some of these threads that connect that most people may not understand on the surface. Sports requires mm-hmm. a ton of discipline, a ton of restraint, yeah. a ton of focus to get to that level. I mean, I got cut my sophomore year playing JV basketball. Everybody's like, Jordan got cut his sophomore year on the varsity team. I got cut on a JV team. That was it. That was a wrap for me. You're like, I'm career. done. I'm done. I started pursuing music. You made it all the way to the college level. Yeah. Is it a D1, D2? It was 1AA. 1AA. So you're playing at a college level. Then you pivot and you start dabbling in stand-up. Mm-hmm. By far the, the di- most difficult discipline I think yeah. that exists artistically. Because, I mean, you really got to put the work in. I got a buddy named Rufat in New York, and he, he'll hit six, seven, eight open mics a night. Wow. And he's dope now, but it's yeah. five years, six years, right? That's how, yeah. Um, so, so there's that crossover. So I think all along the way, you're developing the character, the discipline, the focus, right? And you're also, you know, in the nightlife scene and that whole thing. Yeah. Um, on a macro idea and, in a, and on a personal idea, and I'll tell you mine as well, but why do you think that wealth, building wealth, managing money is important for millennials, Gen Z? Why is it, and what's the, like, the deeper passion behind getting this information? Because you're really a bridge. Yeah. You're really a bridge between guys who are established in their 40s doing well and the young guys that are like, yeah, spring break. Woo! Yeah, of course. Right? And your videos are like that. So, so what's, the, what's that deeper heart between bridging that gap of financial literacy to these younger kids? Yeah, and truly, you, you, that's a great anecdote and analogy right there. I, de- I definitely view myself as a bridge, mm-hmm. being that I'm the oldest millennial, 40 yeah. years old yeah, right, right now. I view myself as like, should I call myself the youngest Gen Xer, the oldest millennial? I'm like, I'm the oldest millennial. Let's go. And by day, you know, I'm speaking with, uh, you know, wealth planners, financial advisors, estate planners, uh, you know, attorneys, CPAs, and I'm and I'm I'm speaking that lingo, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm kind of buttoned up during the day. Yes, so how are you, sir? You know. Yeah. And then by night, I'm hitting the club. I'm seeing things in South Beach. I'm kind of talking to people in that lingo. And then I do a lot of man on the street mm-hmm. for valuetainment, just seeing kind of where 
20-somethings are at, Gen Z's at at all these events. And I I really just view myself as a bridge saying like, well, look, these people have a perspective. They're telling you to do one thing. Young people have a perspective. They don't don't necessarily have the experience, obviously. Mm -hmm. They don't have the wealth in a lot of regard. Mm -hmm. But the times are changing. So, you know, maybe something that the, you know, okay, boomer, what they're telling you might not apply to you. So I just kind of use my uh, view myself as sort of like a bridge or a caveat to say, well, look, this is what sort of the older, wealthier folks are doing. Right. This is kind of what the newer, younger people have to say. And then I, j- I don't pretend to be the expert and know it all. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's good for anyone to pretend they're the expert of anything. Mm-hmm. What I appreciate is just saying, hey, I'm having a dialogue, kind of mm-hmm. like what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah. It's a place we can talk about yeah. things, yeah. right, yeah. wrong. Hey, I have a question here. Here's my thoughts on this. It, it isn't so much a cookie-cutter approach. It's let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's bring it out in the open because yeah. money traditionally has not been one of those things people feel really comfortable yeah. talking about. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't ask me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't ask me what, who I voted for yeah. and, and don't ask me how much money I make. Yeah. Now yeah. anyone will tell you how what yeah. they feel politically, yeah. 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 but financially it's still something that don't people feel mm. very comfortable talking That's about. Yeah. So I enjoy having that conversation yeah. with people. Yeah. That's good. So for me, I think wealth is a pathway before we get into wealth, I think financial stability, mm-hmm. financial independence is a pathway for a lot of people to have a degree of freedom, have a degree of independence, and and ultimately get to where they would like to be. For me, as a person of faith, as a follower of Jesus, it is directly connected to taking care of my family, um, taking care of people who need help, um, and 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 creating economic opportunity for others, right? So mm-hmm. there's that, and and then you know you met Zach. For, I would say for the younger generation yeah. who are trying to figure it out. Oftentimes they don't really make real money until their twenties, mid twenties, late twenties. Dude, just- the mo- until I was twenty seven, the most I ever made in my life was twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. so. I mean, you're talking about yeah. just in your twenties yeah. is the time to just figure yeah. it out. Yeah, so live with roommates, have friends, right. the cheap rent, what have you. So, so, so let me ask you this. Yeah. So, one of my hearts for helping people become financially independent is, hey, if you were hypothetically, maybe not you personally, but the average person was making seventy five k a year, hundred k mm-hmm. a year at 21, 22 years old. Do you think that positions them to get more after what we truly want in life? Stability, family, Mm -hmm. legacy, right? Um, Instead of saying, man, I'm broke, Guess I'm gonna go figure it out and go yeah. party and hook up. And blah, right? yeah. Instead of instead of going that route, do you think if people are are understanding how money works, having that restraint and that discipline, does do you think do you think that could position them to maybe miss out on some of the heartache of their twenties of going through? Because everybody has a different journey, right? right? But what I do see is a lot. I see a lot of folks tricking off their twenties, then waking up in their thirties with no useful skills. A lot of trauma, mm-hmm. needing therapy, <laughs> trying to figure this whole thing out in their yeah. 30s. And um, I've been married since I was 23, right? Wow. My wife was 21. Uh, and, and, and I think there's something to, I don't, know if, I don't know if I use the word traditional, but I think there's something to that, like starting your life, building your life with someone. And a lot of folks don't. Because mm-hmm. they're conditioned to be an adolescent until they're 25, 30 years old. It's cool to sleep at mom's house in the basement until I'm 30, right? Um, and it, it, so for me, I think money can be a pathway for someone 
building their foundation, building their life, and potentially avoiding heartache. Do you see some of that, or do you think that it, it, it's just kind of like people are going to be dumb and they're going to do what they're going to do, and they kind of got to go out and experience stuff in their 20s to learn? Uh, I think, look, everyone has a different path. Yeah. So you got married at 23. Yeah. Our friend Zach over here got married at 21. I'm 40, single. single. I was briefly married okay. uh, when I was 32 to 35. Okay. Um, didn't work out. Uh, you know, we're cool. Hey, yeah. like, it wasn't meant to be. We're good. We didn't have kids, so mm-hmm. it was not that messy. Yeah. But everyone has a different path. Keep in mind, we met in a club in South Beach, sure. and we just <laughs> kind of <laughs> kept clubbing together, and yeah. it wasn't exactly the most sustainable. Yeah. Um, but I think... Look, if you are going to kind of BS around and and kind of just get crazy and wild, yeah, yeah your, your early 20s is the time to do that. Okay. Like, think about it from a macro perspective. Mm-hmm. A generation ago, when our grandparents who are now in their 80s, 90s, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, life expectancy in this country was 67 years old, 65 years old, wow. right? So 62, like that's... Mid 60s, let's call it. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason when Social Security came out Mm -hmm. uh, after FDR's New Deal and everything Mm -hmm. was to kick in at age 65 was because it was never supposed to be a retirement plan. It was supposed to be like, all right, you're going to retire. And for, you know, three years, five years that you're still alive, the government will take care of you. Now people are living to 80, 90, 100, no problem. You know, and your retirement age is 65. That's 35 years of retirement potentially. Okay, so things are a little bit different. So what am I getting at? Getting married at 21 used to not be crazy. Mm. Now when, because you only lived to 65, you were a third of the way there. You know, when Zach tells me, you know, your producer right here, Zach tells you he gets married at 21, what's my reaction? What? What? What What the hell are you doing? You know, so, but that's his path and that's cool, man. You know, I don't, you know, you said that you got married at 23. But you were telling me when you were a teenager, you were going down to Tijuana doing whatever. To the script club in Tijuana. Yeah, so everyone has a different path. So I don't think anyone needs to follow anyone else's path Mm -hmm. other than your own. Mm -hmm. So for me, there was a guy on my block back in the day, Yamil in Miami. Mm -hmm. And he was the coolest guy ever. And he played football. Mm -hmm. I think he was a a professional football player at the time. Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whatever. And he was married, and he was 25, and he was the coolest guy. I was like, I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And I grew up, and I would always tell my parents, I want to be like this guy. Yamil yeah. is a football player, and he got married to this beautiful wife. And then fast forward, I'm 24 years old, mm-hmm. and I'm in just like figure it out mode. Mm-hmm. I got, I'm broke. I'm yeah. doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. And my father, rest his soul, he says, you remember when you told me you were going to get married at 25, like the guy Yamil? Mm-hmm. He's like, that's one year away. I'm like, yeah, I was totally wrong. <laughs> I, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, everyone's got their path yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. But um, wealth, getting back to building wealth, yeah. some, some people, the, the quicker you can get serious about building wealth, yeah. the better off you'll be. So I didn't take building wealth seriously until I was in my late 20s. Mm. Like I didn't get a job that I was like, I am here to make money Mm. until I was 27 years old. And in fact, the jobs I was doing, Mm. I knew I wasn't going to build wealth being a club promoter in South Beach, you know, (laughs) doing stand up comedy or just, you know, doing I was a substitute teacher. I knew that I made a conscious decision to say, I'm not worried about money now. Let me just enjoy my 20s. Mm -hmm. But something's going to snap at some point, 
And what I'll tell people is if you are gonna backpack through Europe, travel the world, mm -hmm. pursue a passion, stand-up yeah. comedy, yeah. give yeah. it a go, do YouTube, yeah. the 20s is the 20s time to do it. To because be, by yeah. the time you hit 30, yep. you should have a skill set or a specialized yeah. skill set yeah. of what you think you're going to do. Yeah. And by the time you're 40, and I tell people this all the time, you're 21 now, you're gonna be 25. Yeah. You're 25, you're gonna be 30. You're 30, you're gonna be 40, it's happened. Yeah. Yes. Dude, I was a 22 year old South Beach club guy, yeah. now I'm a 40 year old you know, financial type guru, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> and it, things change and you yeah. progress as yeah. long as you're improving. But ultimately at, at 40, yeah. right? you better have a specialized skill and yeah. not be a jack of all trades yeah. and be a specialist at something, Yeah. right? So if you're young and you're out there and you're still figuring it out, cool. If you're 30 something out there and you're still figuring it out, cool. However, you better step it T up. Time's right, ticking. Exactly. <laughs> if you're 40, you know, it's not too late. Like, yeah. I, I forget who, I, Chaz Palminteri. Uh -huh. He was just with us yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing Bronx actor, tale, Bronx yeah. Tale, yes. Usual Suspects, yes. Modern Family. He was he was a struggling actor until he was forty. Wow. Made Bronx Tale at forty, and now he's one an A list Hollywood superstar. But mm. the point is, it's not too late. But have a specialty. It's good. If you're forty and you're like, I don't know, I do a little of this, I do a little of that. Uh, be known for something. Drake, the rapper Drake. Mm -hmm says uh, in his latest song, one of his latest songs, um, Lemon Pepper Freestyle, have you heard it? Yeah. And it's basically like, with Rick Ross, he asked people, like fame is disconnected, it, it basically saying how it's easy, to, you don't even know what people do in these days, half the time I gotta ask people what their profession is. Mm. By the time that you're 30, certainly 40, nobody should be confused as to what your profession is. Mm. People should know what you do. If you're working on it, you have in your mini, that's fine. Yeah. But people should not at age 40 say, oh, what does uh, John do? Yeah. Ah, a little this, a little that. No, John is an accountant. Yeah. Ruslan is a YouTube superstar, yeah. right? Yeah. Zach is a social media genius. Whatever yeah. it is, be known for something. That's good. That's my advice. That's good. No, that's good. I think, I think that's really good. I worked a Joe job up until I was 28, right? So I was doing... Adults with Developmental Disabilities, which was actually a very fulfilling job, YMCA. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was also building my music thing on the side. So I, I talk about going through life and being intentional about working to eat while at the same time doing something and sowing to reap, something that's going to I like that. You even rhymed it, too. Yeah, it rhymes, too, right? Uh, and so sowing to reap is for the next season, right? So you're not sowing to reap today the only thing that grows in the same season are weeds which mm -hmm. is like nobody wants weeds right but if you're trying to plant apples if you're trying to plant vegetables it all is a season down the road right well i think they the say road. the day that you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit right 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 that's yeah and so with that i, I was doing both and then i had an opportunity i went and worked at my church for two years as the media guy which is how i learned what i'm doing now and then at 30 2015 i finally quit my job and pursued just doing music full time. And uh, thankfully, we had followed the Dave Ramsey baby steps. Mm -hmm. And I, I've told this to you, and some of you guys know on the channel, yeah. we, we paid off $45,000 of debt in 18 months. Wow. Working Joe jobs. And technically, it was closer to 100000 but I settled a $60,000 second mortgage 
for a $1,000 because I was listening to the wow. Ramsey Baby Steps. Yeah, so... Um, I'm going to need to hear more about that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it was a really, really, really good thing to say, I got my thing on the side I'm building, right? It's not five grand a year, 10 grand a year, 15 grand a year, 20 grand a year. Now my overhead is completely mitigated because we have no debt. So dude, we could, we could have lived on $2,400 a month in San Diego, like wow. 2012, 2013. Cause we, we, it was just literally rent, food, gas. That's it. The I, big three expenses. Yeah. I wasn't housing, transportation, right. food and beverage. Right. And so, and we weren't going out. And so to me, when I transitioned, it was it was amazing. But it was really those Dave Ramsey baby steps mm -hmm. of like working it. As someone that didn't come from any real context of wealth, money management, there was something powerful about I'm going to buckle down, restrain myself, not spend any money. And those same skills transferred over to building my music business because now it wasn't just art. It wasn't just me trying to just dabble. I was like, no, if I'm either going to do this, or I'm not going to do this. Right. And so in the middle of getting out of debt, 2010, my birthday's on New Year's Eve. And I sat down my wife down on New Year's Eve, 2010. And I said, hey, um, I don't want to be in the same place I am with music in a year from now. Right. It's 20, whatever. I don't remember how old I was at the time. And I said, I need you to tell me to stop if we're in the same place this time next year. So fast forward, we released a song every other week. We released two retail albums, three mixtapes. We did a song with Lecrae. We did a song with Andy Minio. Wow. We had 30 shows booked going into the next year. So 20, this is the end of 2011. And I sat my wife down. And I said, so what do, you, what do you think? Like, you think we should keep it? She's like, yeah, like, of course. Like, you, you, you're, you're delivering this. I say all that to say it was because of the Dave Ramsey system and the tools and the discipline and the understanding that positioned me to first of all, just get my finances under control. Because I think, in my case, I can't speak for everybody, when I was misspending, when I was getting arrested at 11, when I was at a strip club in Tijuana at the age of 12, I was coping. I was going, this, this was my way of dealing with, with trauma, un, you know, unresolved issues with my dad not being in my life, all these different things. So for me, that structure of that Dave Ramsey, um, and also being fueled by my faith in Jesus was, 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 I mean, it changed everything for me. And so then I wake up, you know, now we're, now we're 30. Uh, I just had my son, my son, Levi, he's six now at the time. He's six months, seven months. I'm on tour in New Mexico. And so we're debt free at this point. My wife's a stay at home mom, right? I'm working at the church making 3,500 bucks a month, right? But remember our income, our overhead's 2,300 yeah. a month. So we have six months of living expenses in the bank. I called my wife. I said, Hey, I'm doing this tour thing. It's getting weird at the church. I could tell they don't really want me to keep traveling as much. Like, you think we should start praying about me quitting my job and, you know, and going full time with this music thing. And I remember it so, so vividly, Adam. She said to me, she said, there's nothing we need to pray about. You need to come home and put in your two week notice. Mm. And I was like, dude, here's my stay at home mom, my stay at home, <laughs> stay at home wife mom. Right. Uh, who at that moment had more faith and was more courageous than I was to say, we're going after this entrepreneurship thing, right? We're, we're doing this thing. And I came back, I put in my two week notice. Uh, I quit June, 2015. And, and that was the first time where I said, okay, 
Now we're talking multiple six figures. Now we're talking the ability to scale up. Now we're talking there's no lid on my life anymore. I don't have to submit to an employer. I can make whatever I can, whatever value I can generate for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because of the the Dave Ramsey stuff, right? The initial framework of it. And so I want to kind of unpack that a little bit with you because you made a video recently about disagreeing with some of the stuff with Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And I and I sent, sent you a text message. I said, man, yeah. this was the stuff that was great. Um, so where do you think something like what you do, what a Dave Ramsey does, come into play for the person in their mid-20s that's coming from some trauma? Maybe they're partying just to have fun. Maybe they're partying mm-hmm. to cope. Maybe they're in the nightlife because, hey, this is what we do. This is social pressure. Maybe it's because they need an outlet. And they don't have an outlet. Where do you think the that as a solution comes in for people to... To, 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 to make something more of their finances and ultimately of their life, right? And so, so just, I, 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 that's a very sloppily worded question, but let's talk about this Dave Ramsey yeah. and, and the financial literacy side and what do, you, what do you think are the pros and some of the cons? So I guess off top, I respect Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. More so than just respecting him as a person, mm-hmm. I respect what he's been able to do for people. Like your story, yeah. It's incredible. You paid off $45,000 of debt plus whatever happened with that other 60,000. Yeah. So like he's definitely impacted and changed lives. Yeah. Um, how do you hate on something like yeah. that? Yeah. Um, with that being said, Dave Ramsey has been doing the same advice for 30 something years. <laughs> We're now in a different world these days. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially since pre, you know, post COVID, yeah. The printing of money, the, the, the liquidity out there, crypto hitting the mm-hmm. scene, mm-hmm. stock market up and down. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some of the things that Dave Ramsey talks about in the, his seven baby steps mm-hmm. are a little outdated or okay. cookie cutter okay. or maybe don't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I think his seven baby steps, I think number one, I, maybe let's just break the, them yeah. down. yeah, yeah. And then I'll give you my philosophy. Uh, I think number one, he says, start with $1,000. Baby emergency fund. Yeah, okay, great. You know, in 1980, 1990, maybe $1,000 was a pretty good, you know, $1,000 now. What? Like, that that ain't getting you too far. Okay, cool. Number two, I think his baby step two is pay off all your debt Mm -hmm. uh, except for your house, Mm -hmm. your mortgage, Mm -hmm. right? Um, well, the debt snowball your debt. The debt snowball the sn- specifically. To largest, so there, yeah. I guess there's two ways to pay off your debt. This debt snowball, where you mm-hmm. start off with your, with you know five hundred dollars, then yep. the thousand dollars, and then ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand. All right, snowball it up. Da da da. There's people that say that's that's cool. That's one approach. Mm-hmm. And there's people that say, well, I'm going to do the debt avalanche, which is a different perspective, mm-hmm. which is basically saying, I'm not worried about the five hundred dollar credit card charge mm-hmm. that's no interest or minimal interest. Yep. Let me start with the two thousand dollars. I'm getting banged out for twenty four percent. Yeah. Let me let me get that out of the way first. Yep. It's a different approach. Yep. Who's right? Who's wrong? Dave will say, "Well, you know, you got to start, you know, baby steps, yeah. literally." And yeah. then, so cool. Debt snowball, yeah. debt avalanche, all good. Some might say, if there's high interest debt, yeah, twenty percent, twenty four percent, maybe payday, you know, credit cards, payday loans are literally like a hundred, four hundred, a thousand percent insane. Get that out of your life immediately mm-hmm. that's more of a dead avalanche um but some might say look student loans at four percent i'm not in a rush to pay that off right now mm-hmm. or certain loans i'm gonna 
not wait to invest mm -hmm. before I take care of loans. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So maybe there's some nuances with his approach sure. on debt that sure. could be argued, but for the most part, I'm in agreement. Yeah, pay off your freaking debt, Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And then he talks yeah. about... So let me, um, let me stop right there because yeah. I think that's good. And then, and because I agree, I pretty much agree with him on those first three. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think it gets wonky past three B. Well, is three it? is what? Three, uh, so three, uh, is three save is, up a three to six months of an emergency. Of, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. my entire brand is save that money. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you should save up a year. Yeah. yeah. More than three months. It's not, yeah. I'd save up 10 G's. Like, yeah. get it at least. Yeah. Have yeah. some cash. Yeah. The the debt snowball is, I think, because he's speaking to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. So he's not speaking to people that are already crushing it financially. He's speaking to people that are scraping, like we were. Like, we were making 2,500 bucks a month. Like, we mm -hmm. were, when I got that job at the church making 3,500 bucks a month, I was like, holy moly, it's like the most I've ever made in my life. Wow, right. Dude. So I think he's speaking to people that aren't making a ton of money and i think his logic is fi personal finance is 80 percent behavior if Correct. it was about interest rates and percentages and math you wouldn't have gotten into debt in the first place yes. right so his thing is like it's all behavior 20 percent knowledge 80 percent behavioral yes, yes yes so i think that's some of the psychology so for us it, it was if i had to think about like my biggest debt at the time which i think was my car note it, I would have been overwhelmed, but it was because we knocked out that $500 car note, then we knocked out this little, I mean, uh, $500 you know, credit card, then this $1,000 credit card, then that, and then we moved our way up to the cars. Then we moved our way up to the student loans. And as an entrepreneur, it allowed me to mitigate all of my expenses mm -hmm. so that when I went to go do music full-time, it was like, sweet, 2300 a month, I can make that. Like I could, I could scrape by and figure, I'll go drive for Uber if I don't get a show this month or if I don't do a feature this month or whatever, and I could scrape by. So I think from an entrepreneur standpoint, I like the idea of let me decrease your expenses to nothing. Mm -hmm. So then if someone wants to go and sleep on, on the buddy's couch and go live in New York City and pursue standup for a year, they can do that because their overhead is mm -hmm. nothing versus you're sleeping on a homie's couch and the, de the debt collectors are calling you and you're trying to be creative and make art, right? It's tough, like, man. It's a tough recipe. Of course. So I think I'm with him there, but though I, though I agree, because I think if you're talking to somebody as a doctor who's making multiple six figures, they could do the, the debt avalanche approach, right? You're talking to the average person. Average income is in America is what, 60 grand a year per household? Or yeah, median yeah. household yeah. income. That's, yeah. I mean, that's... Household. Household, that's low. Yeah. Like that's, but that's 60 grand a year is in the 1% of the world's top income, right. right? So if you're if you're average in America, if you're making 60 in America, you're 1% worldly, world wealth, right? Which yeah, is interesting. Yeah, well, it's like, well, you have to pay rent in America. Right. So right. you're not paying rent in Cambodia where it's, right. you know, yeah, it's 100 true. bucks a month, yeah, right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so Yeah, the cost of living yeah, is higher. Cost, exactly. So when we get into 3B and the rest of it, I think is when I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't listened to you, bro. Really? Yeah, because... Share that with me. 15-year uh, fixed mortgage to buy a house 20% down. Mm -hmm. That's great in Alabama. That's great in, you know, Mississippi. That's, yeah. that's great maybe in Arizona. Yeah, if you're in, in San Diego, if San you want to buy a half a million dollar house, you got to put down 100 Gs. Yeah. And that was what we were trying to do. Yeah. We were like, yo, we're debt-free. We have six months of expenses in the bank. I think we had 25 grand in the bank. And I was like, no, I'm not. And everybody's like, listen, listen. I know, I know you you drank the Dave Ramsey Kool-Aid. I get it. Yeah. My buddies were all real estate folks at the time, but they were like, listen, dude, the housing is crazy low. Mm -hmm. Get into something right now. Get into something. You Especially you being a family man, dude. Especially being a family like, man. We have a different perspective on this yeah. because 
I've never bought a property. Yeah. I, I rent. I move around. I yeah. move from you know cool. I, I was renting at a roommate when yeah. my in my thirty, yeah. and then I started to make money, and then I moved in with yeah. my girl, and then we broke up. Yeah. Like I was like thankful I didn't have a mortgage. Yeah, yeah. probably have to give my girl my, girl my house. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like I'm in renting and just going from play. Yeah. Now I'm with Val- Patrick, Bet David, and Value yeah. yeah. I'm moving around. I'm yeah. betting and bopping yeah. for you as a family man. Yeah. So I could have gotten into a house for three percent down. Mm-hmm. My mortgage would have been a little bit more expensive than my rent. I could have put it on a thirty-year fix. I didn't, yeah. and I regret that approach because everyone who bought houses around me at the time, their houses have at least doubled, if yeah. not more. And so, folks who bought houses at two hundred fifty grand, three hundred grand ten years ago, their houses are you know seven, eight hundred right now. Mm-hmm. You know, my buddy just sold his house for, I think. 850 and he paid 400 for it in 2013 you know so that's the part where i go oh man you know that i don't know that i think i think if you can now the market is crazy and it's terrible but so is dave's advice to put 20 percent 15 year fixed mortgage because the last time i I, I used to listen to dave ramsey a lot maybe not as much anymore he from what I recall, he was telling you to go buy properties cash, cash. only. Cash was... Who the hell's buying a half a million dollar house or a million dollar house cash only these days? He's, unless yeah. you're making... Unless you're making a ton A of crazy amount of money. His advice was cash only. Right. The only debt I'm okay with is if you put 20% down on a 15-year fixed mortgage. Got it. Which again, in my case, it, it, at the time, could I have gotten into a house on a 30-year mortgage with 3% down and paid 2200 a month? Or done it that way and had to pay thirty-five or three grand a month with a hundred thousand dollars down. That was not a probable option for someone in my situation, mm-hmm. and I, re- I I disagreed with him in hindsight. And I and I and I did, bro. I dr- I drank that Kool Aid, man. So what's your Kool-Aid. level of being upset with Dave Ramsey? Because I'm gonna frame this right. Yeah. He helped you get out of debt. Yes. He he literally changed your trajectory of life. Yep. Cool appreciation. Yep. Then when it was time to go to buying a house, yep. his advice almost precluded you from getting that house because yep. you were following the rules so religiously yes. that it almost made you freeze, yep. second guess, yep. and then you missed out on this opportunity, it seems. Yeah. So yeah. how do you grapple with him helping you but him also hurting you a little bit? Um, I, because I don't think any... Anyone is a hero, perfect, a villain, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, any, there's a gray area with there's everything. There's a gray area. So yeah. I think none of us are the perfect guide. None of us are the perfect hero. None of us have the perfect system. None of us have but all the But does he answers. pretend to be have the he perfect does. guy? He does. And I think that the, the thing that's frustrating is that presenting a system that mm-hmm. may work for 90% of people yeah. as a dogmatic absolute approach yeah. is dangerous because of someone like in my situation. Now granted, maybe I would have bought that house and maybe my income would have dropped. I wouldn't have been able to afford the mortgage and it would have went into foreclosure. Paying, We were paying $1,300 a month in rent. Yeah. We would have rather been paid $2,000 a month in mortgage. We probably, you know, like let's just... Let's just right. I think a line that he's used is 100% of houses that get foreclosed to have a mortgage yeah, 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 okay 100 yeah, percent. yeah yeah it's a funny line so um so no i don't i don't, I don't blame him for that i was yeah. a grown man i was it wasn't like You're i was taking responsibility yeah, I was taking yeah. Responsib- it's, it's ultimately my responsibility um so yeah i don't i don't i don't hold any any resentment but th- i think this is what brings us to how can we update some of this mm. for the newer generation right like how do we update some of these principles in a way where whether you're 
23 married building a family like I am, whether you're 40 single, mm -hmm. um, how do we update this for the next generation to come be behind us to say, hey, um, there's a lot of value in having your financial life in order. Mm -hmm. And what can we take from that and tweak it? And I would say, man, I rock with the first three baby steps. The rest, third, baby step yeah. 3B through, you know, pay house the house early, kids retire, 15% in retirement. He's against crypto. He's against, yeah. uh, what is it, what, what are they called? ETFs? EFT, ETFs, yeah. ETFs on Robin Hood. Yeah. He's against, uh, he's against a lot of stuff that I'm yeah. just kind of like, bro, like, so you, so I could only invest in mutual funds through your local providers. Like, <laughs> smart investor pros right, or whatever. Right, like, I don't want to go through your smart yeah. I could get the same return just opening up Robin Hood yeah. and, and putting money in my, my yeah. Robin Hood's getting like 35%. But it is all, I don't do single stocks it's just all etfs you know well you use the word dogmatic yes and i think you were intentional when you use that absolutely and i think that um he's developed a system and clearly this is as worked out for him as a business model and it has worked out for literally probably million plus people yeah. to get out of debt and do their debt-free scream yep. so they're evangelists for dave ramsey yep. respect um but i think like you said to be so fixed and so rigid, you're going to lack flexibility. Yep. And when the times change, like they are currently in right now, yeah, yeah. And, and you're not adapting, yeah. you're going to have some blind spots. Yes. So here's my thoughts on Dave Ramsey. You know, he's the OG. Yep. And sometimes OG can stand for original gangster. And sometimes it can just stand for being the old guy. You the old head. You the old head. <laughs> you the old head. So... You know, and and um, there's some stuff that that he that you agree with. Yeah. You know, he says that that with regarding your finances, eighty percent is behavioral, twenty percent is knowledge. I think it's closer to fifty fifty. Okay. I think knowledge is power, and you need to constantly be learning. Okay. And understanding things are changing, yeah. and. It's not just 20%. There's a yeah. lot of stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like understanding budgeting, understanding the yeah. way to pay off debt and why to save and how much to yeah. save and what yeah. you're saving up for and yeah. to invest. And there's different levels of yeah. investing and yeah. Yeah. you can do invest in CDs and in bonds and 2 to 5% or you yeah. can invest in the stock market yeah. or how much over time do you, yes. can you make in real estate yes. and the house yeah. appreciation typically over time is 3 to 5%. The stock yeah. market is yeah. 8 to 10%. Yeah. And crypto over the last decade has been like 300%. Yeah. And it's like, hold on. Yeah. What you, like, yeah. what did we just talk yeah. about right yeah. there? And then you got to get into protecting your, your biggest asset, which is yourself and yes. your ability to earn income. Yes. And whether that's disability insurance or yeah. having health insurance. Yeah. And I know that there's people, like the biggest people, the, the, the biggest haters on Dave Ramsey yeah. are the insurance community. Yeah. Right? Because he's saying buy term, buy term, buy, buy term, term yeah. Yeah. invest the difference. Which, quite frankly, I tend to agree with. Yeah. But there's a lot of people yeah. that are like, bro, there's... Universal life and whole yeah, life yeah. and indexed universal yeah, life and yeah. guaranteed life yeah. and permanent policies. Yeah. And it's like, stop pretending that term is the only way. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the blessing that, that Dave has done is and bringing awareness mm -hmm. to personal finance mm -hmm. is freaking awesome, yeah, dude. Yeah. But the lack of flexibility and the rigidness of yeah. you have to do this yeah. and you have to do this yeah. and you have to do yes. this leave some blind spots. Yeah, and I don't have any credit cards, so I, I, I'm there, but yeah. we were renting a car, and it was like, I couldn't get my Avis Preferred car card. Yeah. I couldn't get a, a, car, a car on my preferred app because I didn't have a credit card. 
I don't have a credit card. Yeah, Alex. That's and I'm sitting there thinking like, all right, I might like I'm I'm 36. Like I'm not yeah. gonna just go and blow it on like. You're not gonna Yeezy's. go pop bottles at the club, <laughs> right. but right. Let me get a, I might need to get a credit card. And but but and, and to, to say if all you that, go to a hotel, what do you don't you have to put a credit card down I, for incidentals? Deb, debit, yeah, I do debit, and then it's uh it's whatever two hundred dollar hold or something like that. So I just always gotta have a lot of cash on hand. Basically. So there's someone that would totally disagree with Dave Ramsey on the credit, on the credit card situation. Well, I got a buddy, yeah, one of my closest friends, who's like, yeah, I got credit cards. We get. Two thousand dollars back from Costco. We get thousand dollars from here. Yeah. We get all these points, the points, the and the point cash rest. back, and the rewards. Yeah. I think the, the 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 caveat to that is that you have to be so freaking restrained and disciplined yeah. to actually finesse that to where they're paying you. And again, it's uh, the, what is the average person like? Mm-hmm. Who is the average person walking around? Do they have that degree of discipline? Do they have that degree no, of restraint? No, they're right? average. Most yeah. people are most people. Right, right. That's what I always say. Most yeah. people are most people. Right. So, you know, but look, I have a credit card. I paid off in full yeah. every single month. I've got like literally a half a million points Come just on. sitting there doing whatever I want to do yeah. with, yeah. you know, look, maybe you have a thousand dollar limit on your credit card. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need a credit card. I feel terrible. Yeah. Dude, some, of these, some of these Dave Ramsey folks that are going to be mad at me, but I, uh, my credit's like, I haven't had credit. So my credit's like 680, you know, yeah. we're looking to get into a house next year and I'm looking like, even if I put a strong down payment, even yeah. if I have the, I got a claim, Adam, I got to claim an outlandish amount for taxes to get into a house in California, like real high. I'll tell you offline. Yeah. I'm still going to need to get my credit up to at least 700, yeah. you know? So, so I think, Again, is it one size fits all? Is it good? Is it bad? Yeah. I, I think for mo- most people, maybe it's good. But for the when you start getting more advanced, I think is when you got to start thinking a bit more fluid. And the interesting thing is about like the whole like ET, uh, not ETFs, the whole like crypto thing. It's like, well, this is all speculation. This is all speculation. It's, well, so is the entire market. Like the entire yeah. market is all, it's all you guessing on which stocks you think are going to do well, yeah. not that company's actual value in the marketplace, right? So I think that's, crypto is the same thing. It's just probably on steroids because people are hedging against the market. Um, somebody's watching this, Adam. They're like, cool, Dave Ramsey. Okay, get got it. Mm-hmm. I should pay down my debt. I should have some cash on hand. Okay, let's talk about how someone can level up their situation, right? What to you, um, before we get into investing, what do you think is the most direct pathway for someone that's maybe they're going through life, they're struggling, mm-hmm. they don't have their footing yet? Maybe maybe it's because my theory and they did trick off their 20s. Maybe it's because they just were kind of going with the flow and just being conditioned to whatever. Maybe they're just having fun. They're like, they're listening to this like, Adam, that's great. You, you make multiple six figures. Ruslan, you seem to be doing well. What's some practical game you can give somebody yeah. listening to this and they're trying to figure out how to, how to level up their life? So... Partially with Dave Ramsey to thank with his with his sort of his system mm-hmm. is seven baby steps yep. uh, and partially just going around asking like literally thousands of financial advisors mm-hmm. for advice like like literally man on the street stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd go to these fine like for me for my company. My job was to go network. Mm-hmm. You know, how they say your network is your net worth. My yeah. job as a financial wholesaler in the sales world was to go out to these financial conferences, how I met Patrick Bet David mm-hmm. at a financial conference, ironically working out in the gym. Mm-hmm. But my job was to go talk to financial advisors and get them to do business with my firm. Mm-hmm. Cool. When I started my own little side hustle to mm-hmm. teach millennials about money, mm-hmm. Saz Talks Money on Valuetainment, I started off with a camera and a mic and li- literally going up to hundreds and hundreds of financial advisors and yeah. saying, 
Give me the best piece of advice for millennials. If yep. you can tell millennials one thing what to do. And yeah. I, the answers were uniformly simple, hmm. right? Save that money, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, spend less than you make. Have yeah. a budget for your money. Yeah. Understand interest rates yes. and debt. Yes. You know, max out your 401k. Yeah. Uh, protect your wealth, get life insurance. Mm -hmm. So I basically was like, all right, cool. Dave Ramsey's telling people this. I also, for whatever reason, before I was even interested in money, used to watch like late night infomercials with Susie Orman. Do you know who that is? Yes, yeah. Okay, I used to watch that and just kind of be mesmerized because I was doing my stand-up comedy stuff and I liked talking on stage in front of people, but she was talking about tangible stuff and I was taking the advice. Yeah. Um from a lot of the financial advisors. And I was learning all this and I was kind of mapping out what I wanted to convey to people. And then something hit me and then I'll sum this all up and what I do. And then I remember interviewing, I I go to this event called the Heckerling Estate Planning Conference. Mm -hmm. And it's in Orlando every year for the last 50 freaking years. And estate planning is when you have an estate or you have an estate tax. And currently the threshold for estate taxes I think is $20 $20 million. Okay. Are you familiar with the estate tax? A little bit. So basically, here's what it is. If you pass down wealth to your kids, exactly. it's AKA the death tax. Yes. So if you're worth less than 20 million, it might be 22 million, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually 22 million for the people that are going to be like, it's 22 million, mm-hmm. whatever the number is. Yeah. If you're worth less than that amount, yeah. your estate tax is zero. You mm-hmm. own nothing. Mm-hmm. But if you're worth more than that amount, you're going to have to pay the government basically 50% on what you owe. So if you're if the to use easy numbers, if the state tax threshold is 20 million, mm-hmm. meaning you pay anything below that you're good, anything above that now you got to pay the government. And you're worth 50 million dollars. That's a 30 million dollar difference. You're going to have to cut a check to the government for $15 million. That's estate planning, okay? So a lot of people would say, holy crap, how can I prevent having to give away half, you know, this $15 million? So what they'll do is they'll build trusts and obviously wills and trusts and eyelets, irrevocable life insurance trusts, and they'll get life insurance to package around the trust, and they'll get a life insurance policy for 10 to $15 million. Wow. To basically pay the estate tax. Okay. So without getting too in the weeds on this estate tax, I was at this conference. Uh-huh. The point is everyone there is managing estates, okay. meaning their clients are worth minimum $20 million okay. to as much as $100 million to literally billionaires. And I remember asking the Charitable Trust Foundation of this thing, mm-hmm. and I'm just a dude asking questions. Like at the end of the day, I'm no like you know, estate planning guru. I'm just sure. like, yo, what up? How you sure. doing? Let sure. me ask you a question. Sure. After you're done or after your clients are done making all the millions yeah. and the billions and they've done the saving yeah. and the investing yeah. and the debt and the this yeah. and that, what's next? Yeah. Like, what's the final step? Yeah. What's next? And yeah. they were just like, look, leaving a legacy. Come on. And, and, and whether that's a charitable foundation mm-hmm. or passing it down to your kids mm-hmm. or your family or something you believe in, yeah, yeah. the final step of life is doing something bigger than yourself. Come on. And I was like, oh, damn, that's the end game. I, I'm getting goosebumps like, just now that's the, about it. the final boss yeah. that you got to fight. Okay, yeah. cool, this legacy thing. I'm yeah. like, all right, cool. So let me try to condense everything I said into a point for the people out yeah. there. Yeah. So Dave Ramsey's doing the baby steps. Yep. 
you know, pretty, you know, exact how you need to be. Mm -hmm. These guys are telling me all this stuff. There's mm -hmm. a final ending and all this. I'm like, all right, let me put it together. And I basically was like, look, I'm breaking it down to what I call the six principles of wealth. Okay. Number one, Dave Ramsey's like, save a thousand bucks. Like I talked about, that's not going to get you too far. So number one is to have a game plan for your money. A lot of people call it a budget. I call okay. it a game plan. Understanding your income and understanding your expenses. Yep. And like two-thirds of America lives paycheck to paycheck. Yep. Yep. So don't be one of those people. Understand what's coming in the yep. door and what's going out the door. Yeah. Just like how Tom Brady, greatest you know, football player of our generation doesn't just show up and he's like, all right, I guess we're playing the Jets today. All right, yeah. let me just go out there and throw some touchdowns. Like, <laughs> no, he plan, understands. Yeah. Like, I got a game plan. Yeah. Defense does this. Yes. So the wind conditions are going to be there. Yeah. It's going to be in the snow. So we'll yeah. probably run the ball, whatever. You got to understand that you need to have a game plan for your money. You need to have 12 game plans a year, mm. right? Every mm -hmm. month have a different game plan. You know, I like just tweaking that language just kind of makes it come alive a little yeah. different budget is like such a stale word it's, stale it's like word. the word content like we're gonna make content we're, make content. we're making messaging we're yes. shooting videos we're changing a lot whatever right? resonates yeah. but i think a game plan for your money yes, is like oh, i'm gonna got get a game plan I involved all right cool it. here's the game plan okay understand income and expenses and within that you know we can get nuanced with that but number two understand before you can win mm -hmm. before you can win the game yeah. don't lose Okay. And losing is debt. Debt yep. is your money going backwards. Yep. Now, how much is it going backwards? Mm. Is it going back 3%? Is it going back 10%? Is it going back 20%? Mm -hmm. Is it going back 400%? There's yeah. levels of debt, yeah. right? Yeah. So not all debt is equal. So that's before you can win, don't lose. Then you can start winning, saving that money. And people will say like, you know, cash is trash and, mm -hmm. you know, inflation. Yeah. And yeah. nobody has gone broke having cash in the bank come on okay come on. so for me it's save that money okay save 10 grand save 20 grand save 100 grand whatever it is save that money once you're at a point where you have a cushion right or a rainy day fund as grandma would call it or an emergency fund now you can start investing and then you can understand that there's different levels of investing dave ramsey will say 15 percent into your retirement plan well okay. some people maybe don't want to do a retirement plan yeah. Some people want to get into the crypto game, yeah. some, whatever it is. Or they want to flip houses. Or maybe they yeah. want to flip houses. They yeah. want to be in real estate. They want to be an investor. Yeah. The point is you should go from having a game plan to being a person who's in debt, to being a saver, to being an investor. It's, it's almost like red light, yellow light, green light, mm -hmm. right? Like a stoplight. So now you're an investor, right? You're gone from being a consumer to an investor Come mindset. Come on. Awesome. Cool. So again, six principles of wealth. Yeah. We're on step four here right yeah. now. Principle four and being an investor, right? Yeah. You're out of debt, respect. Um, you've saved up so you don't have to worry about nothing. And now you're investing. And then number five, which I, I, I don't, it's not one of his baby steps, but I'm sure he believes in the concept of protection is your greatest asset is yourself, Come protecting on. yourself. Yeah. You know, like, you know, back in the day, like I talked about, if you read The Richest Man in Babylon, mm -hmm. I was reading this book, and it's very biblical in nature, mm -hmm. Richest Man in Babylon, thousands of years ago, and the concepts were very similar to what they talk about today. Yeah. But it's essentially, you know, if you had lived in a castle, mm -hmm. people were trying to attack you, what, they, what did every castle have around it? A moat. Yeah. You ain't coming hit my castle today, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Right? So you have a moat, and yeah. just protecting your biggest asset, which is yourself. So yeah. whether that's 
disability insurance if you're not like god forbid you got something throat cancer god fucking yeah. forbid yeah. and you yeah. can't talk yeah it's kind of going to affect your yeah. rap career and your speaking career Dude, the disability insurance okay so disability this insurance i gotta for go get sure. this disability god insurance. forbid you're a dj i like, yeah. deal with all the club guys in south beach mm-hmm. yo your dj sick what happens if you lose a hand bro they're like oh, i guess i'll spin this way well like how are you gonna mix the oh i never thought about that because people talk about life insurance, yeah. disability insurance is very important. Okay. Health insurance is very important. Health is wealth. Yep. Yep. Without health, you got nothing. Yep. So that's it. You have a game plan for your money. You don't lose. You start to win. You start to invest. You become an investor. You protect your, your greatest asset. And then principle number six for me is what I call chilling. Okay. And chilling is when you own your time. Come like on. for me, I own my time right now. Let's go. Like, Dude, I didn't have to be anywhere today. Yeah. The only thing I had to do was say, oh, Ruslan, we're going to do yeah, something today. Yeah, Respect. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And chilling, I ask people this. So you ask what the difference is. I would always, if I ask, like I'd sit down with people and i break down their financial goals, what they want to do. Yeah. I never start with, so tell me what you do and tell me how much you make. Yeah. I never start with that. Okay. I'd say this. If you had $10 million in the bank. Yeah. Pick a number, whatever you think is wealthy, a million, 10 million, 100 million. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to go to work today. You don't have to rush out the door and hit rush hour. Mm-hmm. What would you do with your free time? Mm. Free time, yeah. keyword, right? Time, time yeah. is money. Yeah. And everyone's like, what would I do with my free time? And everyone has the same three answers, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Everyone says, I would just, I want to travel. Like, I want to see the world, I want to explore, I want to... Just go see what's out there. I want to travel. Mm-hmm. Number two, people say, I've always wanted to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted, and the answer is they want to pursue a passion. I've always wanted to do something on YouTube, man. I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to sing. I've, I love doing photography. I, I want to uh, play the piano. What I love doing this. Yeah. I would yeah. do it for free. Yeah. I want to pursue a passion. Yeah. Cool, what else? And the last answer is, People, I, I want to help. Yes. I want to give back. Yeah. I want to donate my time. Yeah. I want to, like for me, every year I've done the Special Olympics. Because my father had a disability. He was disabled. Yeah. We used to collect disability insurance as a kid. He used to take me to Special Olympics as a kid. Mm. So now my friends in their you know late 30s, early 40s, are like, guys running the Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. So some people want to go to the Special Olympics. Some people want to help their church. Some people want to help the homeless. Yeah. Some people want to help whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that chilling, that's who you are. Yeah, that's that's what you want to do with your free time, not getting paid. Yeah. And all that, yeah. traveling the world, helping people, pursuing a passion, all that is that's what your legacy is. That's so good. I tie it all through that one question. I was like, after you make the millions and the billions, what, what's next? Yeah. And I was like, leave a legacy. Yeah. So for me, I start with what's the legacy yes. or what's your chilling. Yeah. Now that I understand that you want to do this, you yeah. want to do this, yeah. you want to go to this place, yep. you want to help these people, yep. now let's make a plan to help you do that. Cool. How much money are you making? Yeah. What are you doing with your... Like yeah. that's... So as long as... It's, it's almost like before you um, know where you want to get, mm-hmm. you got to figure out how you're going to get there. It's good. So yeah. uh, that's my advice, dude. That's so good. And you, if you have, if you have any questions for me, feel free to you know jump in. But I want to give you this idea that I think is my my favorite passage 
favorite chapter in the Bible was Matthew chapter 25. And 24 is this real like dark look on like the end days and all this gnarly stuff. Oh, wow. All this crazy stuff. And then he goes into Matthew 25 and and, and Jesus would speak in these like streams of consciousness. And people always, because the Bibles now have chapters, verses, sections, right? But that wasn't how it was written. So Matthew chapter 25 is actually all one long stream of consciousness, but it's broken up into three parables. Hmm. First parable is about the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And they're waiting for the for the bridegroom to get home and prepare, and they didn't have enough oil, and so they had to leave last minute. And then the bridegroom gets in, and the foolish virgins were left out. They were like, "You're you 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 blew it. You weren't prepared for the return, right?" So that's like, it starts with that part of the parable, and then so it's about this like, "Be prepared, be ready for Jesus to come back." Then it goes into the parable of the talents, which I'm sure you've heard. You know, there's a master. He gives one person five talents, one person two talents, one person one talent. He goes away. The person with five doubles up, says, here's five more. I gave you, you gave me five. Here's five. Here's five more. Person with two says two more. Person with one buried the talent. And the master gets upset and says, listen, you know that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a shrewd man. You know how I do these things, right? So Jesus is given this, like, gnarly free market <laughs> like level up, do something with your time on this side of eternity, use your time, talent, treasure, and do something with it, right? And talent at the time was money specifically. We translate it now like, you know, ability, but it was specifically about money, money management and, and, and taking care of your money. And then right from there, Adam, it goes into, it, it almost doesn't seem like a parable anymore. He starts talking about in the last days, you know, many will come to me and I will tell them, hey, when I was poor, you didn't feed me. When I was hun- when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. And they're like, "When did we do these things?" You know. And he's like, "Whenever you did something to the least of these, you've done it to me." And then he turns around and to other people, he says, "When I was poor, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. Yeah. When I was in prison, you visited me." And they're like, "When did we do these things to you, Lord?" And he said, "When you've done to the least of these, you've done these things unto me." Mm. So this entire chapter is going through and the first part is like be ready be prepared live your life prepared then it goes into hey take care of what you've been given take care of the the the, the talent the opportunity you've been given um be a good steward be a faithful manager because because ultimately your life is not your own it's given to you by god and then the third part is i think is the why which is what you're talking about it's the legacy right he who does to the least of these does them unto God. Who, who, care, who cares for the widow, cares for the orphan, cares for the single mother, cares for the people that are struggling, that don't have the pathways maybe or the opportunities maybe that I had in creating economic opportunities for people. Um, it is, to me, the, the, the fullness of my faith on display is what am I willing to do for the less fortunate? And I think mm. that's when we get into legacy and the bigger why of on why we're here. Because... Man, you know, I like Yeezys and I like nice shoes. I want to get the Tesla truck. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to buy a house right next year. But uh, ultimately, I think I want to change, like, like move the needle in people's lives in a, in a, in a practical way as well as a spiritual way. And a lot of times in, in, the, in the New Testament, you'd see Jesus um, do miracles. And sometimes it would be primarily a, a physical healing or something, but it was always connected to some type of physical, um, practical need. Feed people, take care of people, right? Like feed the 5,000. And so I think there's something tangible about, to me, as a person of faith, to say my faith and my connection to how I manage what I've been given is directly correlated to um, what kind of legacy I'm going to leave behind, right? And so 
uh, I think I think you're totally spot on because because yeah, you can only make so much money. You can only eat, the food only gets so good. Yeah, right. The hotel only gets so nice. But at some point, what are people going to remember me by? And mm-hmm. they're going to remember me as someone who, because I was a person of faith, my faith overflowed that it touched and impacted other people with no strings attached, right? With no like, hey, you gotta come to my program, you gotta come to my church. No, I'm just, I wanna be a blessing to to people because that's what, from Matthew 20, and those of you guys that are watching this, like sit down with that chapter tonight, really read that chapter, and you'll you'll be, read it as one chapter. It's it's really enlightening, man. So I think you, you said it, you're talking to these guys that are billionaires and, that's they're they're looking for that same meaning. They're looking for that same legacy. Man. Yeah. So that's that's dope. Um, before we get out of here, you got any any questions? Anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Uh, I think. Um, yeah, I've got some questions. I think ultimately, you know, I, the the it's so powerful to sit down with other people and learn from them. Like how you're learning from me, I'm yep. learning from you. Yeah. I've interviewed. Uh, like literally thousands of people. Sit downs like this, man mm-hmm. on the street like that. Um, one of the, the, one of the more memorable, uh, sit downs I had was this guy, Tariq Sharif. He's one of the co-founders of Rolling Loud. Okay. Right. Biggest his, uh, hip hop festival yeah, on huge, the planet these days. Huge. Right. Local dude from yeah. South Florida. Yeah. Like we had mutual friends. Yeah. I was doing a, a thing for, with my CNBC crew at the time. And I'm like, what up, man? Like, good to be sitting down with yeah. you. I go, you are in the rap game like no other. Mm-hmm. You're around rappers. They don't exactly have the 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 best reputation yeah. for yeah. being fiscally conservative right. <laughs> or having the right moral yeah. compass. Yeah. Um, so, like, how do you view money? Like, you know, he had a little chain on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's up with the chain? Mm-hmm. And you know, what's the you know, talk about that? Mm-hmm. And he said something, he goes, look, I don't view money, I don't make money to be able to buy things. I I have money so I can do things. Mm. And that was very powerful for me. And I was like, all right, cool. And just understanding that money is a tool. Yes, absolutely. And that money is a tool to help you get what you want, whether that's a thing mm-hmm. or whether that's some abstract thing in life mm-hmm. Um, to fulfill something bigger yeah. in your life or to yeah. fulfill a bigger purpose. Yeah. So circling back to, mm-hmm. to what you're saying and legacy mm-hmm. and, and helping people with no mm-hmm. strings attached, mm-hmm. you know, it's we all have our different chilling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like your chilling is obviously to help people, preach the gospel, spread yeah. the word. Yeah. You know, mine is to kind of make money less boring and yeah. more approachable yeah. Yeah. and, yeah. you know, sort of be a bridge to yeah. the financial world, to the people out there. Yeah. But I think the message is just find out, you know, what your chilling is, what yeah. your legacy is. Yeah. And you might be 21 years old and I don't know, bro, yeah. I'm just yeah. getting started. But at least you know what you're into so and who good. you want to impact yeah. and who you want to help. So I guess my question for you is, you know, as far as the Bible, I, I quite frankly... I, I haven't spent a lot of time with the Bible yeah. recently. Yeah. I grew up a pretty uh, religious Jewish person. Yeah. Now I'm just a good person, yeah. I think is the best way to put it. I accept people of all faiths. I sit down with the people. Yeah. Uh, you know, you always hear um, Dave Ramsey talk mm-hmm. about the slave, uh, the borrower is a slave to the lender. Mm-hmm. What are some 
some financial lessons or concepts that come to mind in the Bible other than that one? Are there any that are on yeah. the top of mind for you? I was just reading Proverbs and it said, one person pretends to be rich but has nothing, while another pretends to be poor but has great wealth. Mm. Right? So I think that's a big one for today. There's a lot of people doing a lot of flexing. Uh, and it's, and it's, they, yeah. don't, they don't have anything, you know? Of course. Um, I think uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a proverb that talks about um, he who works his land will have abundance, right? But he uh, who chases fantasies will have poverty. And mm. that was that, dude, that verse, I remember, that was the verse that made me sit down with my wife and say, hey, I don't want to keep chasing my tail with this music. Either this is, this is me working my land mm -hmm. or I'm chasing a fantasy. And I'm not going to chase fantasies until I'm 30. Uh, we got to figure this out. And that one was like, like clear as day. Um, there's, there's one in there. Uh, this is the hard one. This is a hard one. Um, a person that cannot provide for the needs of his family, especially the needs of his immediate family, is worse than a non-believer and has denied the faith. Wow, unpack that. What does that mean to you? I mean... I, I, why would I want the government to take care of my family? Why would I want anyone else to take care of my family? I'm taking care of my family, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and so a lot of Christians have a poverty mindset about money, right? But I think if you look through it, there's, there's this thing, you know, if a man not work, he ought not eat, right? And so I think there's a lot in there. So that one right there specific, I mean, that's a, that's a terrifying passage. If you don't take care of your family, specifically mm -hmm. the needs of your immediate family, you're worse than a non-believer and you've denied the faith. So we're looking wow. at the world. A lot of Christians love to hold non-Christians to the standards of Christianity. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. First Corinthians 5, it talks about don't judge those who are, you know, in the world, like God's going to judge those who are in the world. You take care of yourself and judge those within the church. And we do the opposite. So we hold non-Christians to Christian standards. And then when Christians misbehave, when they talk reckless, when they lie, gossip, slander, or sexually hmm. immoral, we look the other way because it's in our convenience. And so when we see Christians slacking off, being lazy, having a, a low morale, not working hard, not being financially responsible, being led by their pleasures, not by their purpose, we look the other way and we just tolerate uh, mediocrity. We tolerate people being sloppy with their life, sloppy with their money, sloppy with their health, sloppy with their mental health. And, and that, that passage to me is saying, hey, um, if you're not providing for the needs of your family, like. You're worse than a non-believer. Which mm. <laughs> is like, whoa. So now I'm like, man, I got to, you know, uh, I, my wife, I think my wife works like a couple hours a week at our church, you know, because she wants to, right? So I've uh, allowed that for her. My son did a bunch of, I send you the album, did a bunch of background vocals on my new album. He's going to wow. get publishing on that. So we're setting him up to get start getting publishing. He got paid to help us shoot the album cover. Like literally like, hey, you're going to come out, you're going to shoot, you know, you're going to... He, He's how old? Six? Six. He framed, <laughs> he framed the shot. Uh, that that Zach took the photo. He framed the shot. I'll show you the photo later. Um, so and he's going to get publishing on my music, and he already is thinking like an entrepreneur. Wow. Um, there's people in my Respect. real life. I don't I don't talk about it publicly, but there's people in my real life that you know that I that live with me, that I hold down, that I that I take care of them financially uh, because I, I've been blessed to be a blessing, you know. And so and I want to scale that. I don't want it just to be you know my my family, but mm -hmm. like people beyond that. So I think that's one of those passages that man I read that. Dude, it hit me like a ton of bricks, man. You know, and so uh, there's there's a there's a there's a lot of obligation. There's a passage in there about um, make it your make it your make it your ambition 
Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, working with your own hands, so that you may be, so you be, so you may not be dependent on anybody, and that may, and that may outsiders may speak well of you. So make it your ambition as a believer of Jesus. My ambition is to lead a quiet life, mm-hmm. work with my own hands, so I'm not dependent on anybody else. I'm working with my own hands. I have my own crafts, uh, so that so that uh, I'm not dependent on anybody, but so that the out, as outsiders will see what God has done in my life and, and give glory to God because of that, right? So those, those are some heavy passages that I think drive a lot of my mentality around this. And I'm really trying to get my audience to kind of think about this um, in, a, in a practical way. And these are verses that Christians never like talking about, by mm. the way. They get really irritated. What do you mean I'm not worse than a non-believer if I don't take care? They get really triggered by these passages. Some hard stuff in the Bible when it comes to Well, money. that's a good thing, yeah. right? Yeah. To make them... yeah. Like, your comfort zone will kill you right. in anything. Right. So if you're just getting too comfortable and you're being lazy and you're right. just like, ah, oh, going through the motions, winning, whatever it is, right. uh, they'll say your comfort zone will kill you. So sometimes it takes someone like Ruslan to shake you up yeah. a little bit and, yeah. and poke the bear. Yeah. I think my goal is just to bring people from a, a, an I like, an, like, okay, you say you follow Jesus, but that to me means something, mm-hmm. right? If I, if, I say, if I say, Adam... The Lakers are the greatest basketball team of all time, dude. And that's it. And you're not, you're not going to tell me anything to convince me otherwise. Yeah. And then you come to my house and we're kicking it and like the game is on and they're playing your team, right? Mm-hmm. Miami Heat, baby. Miami Heat. And you're like, hey, man, Miami Heat playing today. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really watch the Lakers. You know? And, they're, and you're like, or, or, or they're come, they, they, we're, we're in San Diego and the, the preseason game is happening and Miami Heat are playing the Lakers in San Diego. Mm-hmm. That happens during the preseason. And you're like, dude. Lakers and Miami Heat are playing in San Diego. Like, you want to go? And I'm like, nah, I don't really want to go. You know, that's incongruent. I'm inconsistent. If the Lakers are the greatest basketball team of all time, I'm going to watch all their games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go when they're in San Diego. I might even have season passes. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to really be about it. And so I think when we talk about faith, it is an active faith. It is something that is real. It is something that your actions and your lifestyle are going to match it. You know, if I say I believe in something, it's not just a passive belief. Like, oh, I believe vanilla is better than chocolate. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is a real, real deal thing. And so I think that's what I want. I you're want not just going to gonna talk to talk. You're going to walk. I'm going to walk the walk. Yeah. And I think that. And 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 I think what's beautiful about Jesus is that ultimately. I believe his ways are better than my ways. And I believe ultimately he's going to position my life where people may not agree with everything I have to say. People may not agree with some of my views, but they'll go, man, I respect that dude. I love that dude. He says some hard stuff, but I, I'm with him. And I think, and I think he has some good stuff to say. And I think that's ultimately the, you know, the, the, the path of the believer. And there's a lot of fundamentalism going on. There's a lot of believers that just want to yell at the, at the mm-hmm. world and tell the world they're going to hell but i see the good news of jesus as good news man he, he made him who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god that's the great exchange right so now god loves me jesus is the only world religious figure that sees the issue of evil and sin in the world and says i'm going to go do something about that i'm going to go take care of that for you and then i'm going to give you a new heart I'm going to give you a new drive. The things you used to hate, like discipline, like God, you're going to love. And the things you used to love, like perpetually pleasure chasing, you're going to hate. And, I'm, and you're going to become this new person. He, he deals with that on the cross. No, one, no other religious figure does that. You know, it's just kind of like, ah, if you kind of do the right things, 
you might get in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's like, no, you're getting in. You're getting in, therefore act accordingly. Like my son is my son regardless on how he behaves. But because I'm a good father and I love him, he wants to behave accordingly. And he falls short sometimes, but he wants to behave accordingly. You know, so yeah, I know That's I just perfect. said a whole lot. <laughs> Dude, I'm listening, I'm learning. <laughs> Well, respect. I literally love what you do. So yeah. it's Thank uh, you, respect to you, man. Man, this was so much fun, bro. Thank you so much for having us. Um, value tainment, the, the, the whole tour. We gotta, uh, we gotta hang next time you're in San Diego. I know you Hell got yeah. some family out there. I'm sure I'll be back out here. Um, any final words to the people before we get out of here? I just want to say, uh, I went this whole time. I don't think I cursed once. I'm so impressed. Okay, man. so I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a foul mouth pirate over here. I do have some respect, um, but. You know, I, there's so many, you know, I think I'm not just some like money, 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 yeah. money, money. Like that's, I, there's yeah. more to me. I think, yeah. you know, I wake up every day and I, I show gratitude for being alive. I, I do an affirmation every yeah. single day. Um, I think to myself, you know, the big three in life for yeah. me is health, wealth, yeah. and happiness. Yeah. And, you know, I focus on being healthy and eating healthy and yeah. exercising and doing healthy things in my life, building wealth, yeah. not so much so I can buy things, so I can do things. Yes. And then the last thing is is happiness. For And everyone has a different definition yeah. of that. Some might find happiness and meaning and purpose yeah. in Jesus. Some might help, you know, find happiness in helping others. Some might help find happiness in whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but as long as you're living consistent to the health, wealth, and happiness, um, you'll, you'll be on the right track. And uh, obviously money's a big part of that. Yep. So I enjoy making that yeah. uh, a cornerstone of my life. And uh, I'll leave you with what I tell everybody. Yeah. You guys out there, you save that money. Save that money. I wanted to say this about you, Adam. I think you're a legacy guy, man. I think, I think, I think what's beautiful about what you're doing is that you are taking these principles and you're, you're bringing them to life to a new generation. And I think there's going to be a blip in, uh, in, in our culture you know, legacy-wise because of the work you're doing and the way it's going to expand. And I think it's so beautiful because I think a lot of kids are walking around. And, and Dave Ramsey or even me, they're not even thinking along that way, mm -hmm. right? But someone like Adam in South Beach, man on the street interviews, asking them hard questions, I think, I think that is the thing that is going to move the needle with regards to financial literacy. Cool, so, man. Well, thank good work, you. brother. Appreciate thank you so that. much, man. Guys, Appreciate all this. Thank you for having me, everybody. Give this video a like. Give it a thumbs up. Make sure you guys check out Valuetainment Economics. Adam's channel is super dope. I watch it regularly. Catch him on the PBD podcast uh, almost every day. Yeah. Every day, yeah. So, guys, thank you so much, and we're out of here. Peace. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. When the culture says do what you love, we respond with love what you do. You may have responsibilities that you aren't passionate about, but loving what you do means being faithful to what's in front of you, committing to excellence as if that were your greatest dream. Colossians 3.23 says, Work diligently at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Love what you do. Love what you do. Kingstream Entertainment. Yo, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. If you found it valuable, considering giving it a like and subscribing. This month, I'm releasing the Love What You Do collection. And to celebrate, I'm doing a three-day virtual event to help us go from learning to love what we do to ultimately doing what we love. By the way, it's free, so hit the link in the description to grab